0: I'm Ren the host of Source Snack Break. Every Monday through Thursday, we take 20 minutes to cover hot topics in commercial architecture and design, including new product releases, designer stories, industry leaders, and the impact of design. If you're tuning in live, know that you're automatically on mute, but you can use the chat feature to ask questions. You can also find a video recording on demand at tothesource.com or subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify by searching Source Snack Break. So today is Tuesday, so it's trans. Tuesday and we are talking about the impact you can make as a designer today I'm super excited we are talking about the declare label with Alex from the International Living Future Institute in Seattle ILFI Uh, hey how are you
1: I'm good I'm really good I just got back to Seattle so I'm like Saddled in and I'm, I'm ready to chat and I'm excited to be on here.
0: I love it. So before we start, can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this, why you do it, what it means to you, and then like a little. So just tell us your whole life story like really quickly in like two minutes, and then also a little bit about the International Living Future Institute and what that is.
1: Yep. yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, born in the Bronx, um, okay. yeah. <laughs> two brothers. Um, no I my background is uh, my background is in biology. I come from like a family of some some scientists, but I was sort of more interested in the macro rather than the micro so I got interested in conservation and environmental science um, but when I went to graduate school, I was trying to think about like what how can I do sort of you know something to do with with the environment that is at a much bigger scale um, mm-hmm. And while I was there, I learned about the Living Building Challenge, um, and it was kind of the first time that that architecture and that the built environment kind of excited me because so I was like, okay, this seems like it's going way, way beyond what other building certification programs are requiring. Um, and so there was a project that they were working on there, and I was like, I will take any part of that, give me any part of that, um, I just really want to work on it. and. The, uh, the director of sustainability of the university at the time was like, we heard that materials are really difficult and yeah. so maybe we want a grad student on that. Um, so I basically started that and then fell down a rabbit hole of like materials and transparency. Um, and I wrote my thesis on manufacturer perspectives on mm-hmm. ingredient disclosure in the building product industry. So Dang. very, very well aligned with the job and, um, The International Living Future Institute, um, as I said, you know, one of our flagship programs is the Living Building Challenge, which was really the first one that they came out with. But the whole organization is sort of designed around, like, how do we create our buildings, our products, our systems to do more good than harm, right? Rather than sort of harm reduction. Um, And so Living Building Challenge was, uh, I believe it was created probably in 2006, Mm-hmm. Um and beyond that, right, we do a lot of education advocacy um in addition to the certification. But when they created the Living Building Challenge, everyone was like, Oh my God, you have to, you know, it's it's structured around pedals. It was like you have to create more energy than you use, more water than you use. You have to a lot of different requirements that also bring in beauty and equity. Um, but materials turned yeah, out. To be Yeah, so Um, let's
0: talk about the history of the Declare label, because it really comes out of that living building challenge. So can you talk about sort of that struggle?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so really what happened at the time is they were like. We everyone was sort of really starting to get a sense of like there are things in buildings and in building products that we do not want to be using. Right. Everyone Mm -hmm. sort of realized, like, wow, we're spending 90 percent of our time indoors and we're surrounded by. Products which the composition is unknown. Yeah. Um, and so the the building program came out with they came out with the red list as part of it, uh, mm-hmm. and that's probably one of the most well known components of it. And it was like, all right, designers, go out, avoid these, you know, chemicals and materials and buildings. And they were like, okay, we're gonna go do it. And then wow. you call a manufacturer and you're like, do you have any of these things in here? would you tell us what's in your product? And they're either like, we don't know, no, talk to our lawyer. Um, So that turned out to be one of the most difficult pieces of it and so in 2012, as you have here, right, it was released kind of as a companion tool to basically say we need an easy way that like cuts down the amount of vetting that you have to do and the amount of outreach Mm -hmm. uh, to figure out does it have red list ingredients in it or not and is a way for manufacturers to um demonstrate leadership in transparency so that's really been the purpose and i think that it kind of now goes far beyond just the living building challenge
0: yeah i love that it's um i'm gonna date myself here but when i first started in design um when we thought about sustainability it was really about like recycled content and that kind of thing and then i went into grad school for interior design, and when I came out, there was this thing called the Red List and the Declare label, and I was like, "What is this magic? Like, <laughs> this is total. It's a totally like you said. It's a totally different way of framing how you think about products and how you think about the interior. From let's just do some less bad to let's pick things that are good. Yes, I'm giving designers a way, a tool to do that that doesn't involve like getting a master's in environmental science, which is kind of
1: how it like it felt
0: like that. And it still sometimes feels like that and trying to get this information. So
1: yes, and making sure that the information is like readily available as well, right? Yeah. Because like, I know when I started doing that for that project before, there weren't that many products in Declare when I started. And it's like, okay, I'm going to call the number that I found online and talk to somebody <laughs> who's like, no, I don't know what Blood that fitting. program is or anything yeah. about that. So, you yeah. got to go through like eight people before you maybe find somebody who has the information. So- right.
0: And when you're a designer, you always have no time and you have no billable hours left and your client wants things immediately. (laughs) So it's like you want to do the right thing and you got to find that balance of how can we find information quickly, make choices quickly, and then make choices with our clients quickly because there's always the answer is we want to make choices quickly. (laughs) Exactly. Sweet. So can you tell us a little bit about like how a manufacturer gets a declare label?
1: Yes. Um, So it kind of depends on sort of where we, we start that journey. But but really, <laughs> you yeah. to like go online and submit your information. But really where it starts is like, you know, a lot of manufacturers sort of have their bill of materials, right? Like here are the basic materials that are in here. And then beyond that, it's sort of figuring out how much of each of those materials is in there and really getting down to the specific chemical identifier or cast number, right? And figuring out what is the full list of ingredients um, that you figure out through supplier outreach, essentially, Yeah. Um, present at 100 parts per million or above, which is everything that is present in the final product at 0.01% or greater. Um, so once that list has been assembled, usually in Excel file, um, mm-hmm. then one goes on to, um, ToxNOT is the platform that supports um, the creation of declare labels. Um, and that has been a huge help in really streamlining the process, which, you know, like everything else used to be done in like PDFs and Word documents. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so going through there, that kind of allows manufacturers to go and submit those ingredients. Um, it kind of, it connects back to the ILFI website and submit, preview their label, and then submit to ILFI for review. And when mm. that's done, then it's published to the declare database, which, is really the first place that if you're a Living Building Challenge project team, you're going to go because you're like, I know that things (laughs) in here comply. Um, And it's very easy to see what Mm -hmm. complies with the Living Building Challenge. Uh, But that also feeds into all of these other tools like that you may have heard of, like Sustainable Minds and Mindful Materials. Um, You can use it on our website at Source. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly
0: sweet yeah so i like that it's sort of like i always like to use food metaphors because we all eat food um it's kind of like looking at the nutrition label on the back of food and there are some labels that will just say this contains flour and butter and chocolate chips and you're like it's a cookie and then some of them will say this contains flour which includes these ingredients and chocolate chips which includes these ingredients and butter which includes these ingredients and so the declare label is really getting at that more specific thing of like we don't want to know that it just includes butter we want to yes. know what's in the butter so yes. that we can make sure that it's i mean we always want high quality butter so you know
1: yeah. exactly and on top of that So it's telling you at this very specific level what is in the product and also what is not in the product, right? So it's looking at the ingredients in there and the Toxnot tool is then automatically screening each each ingredient against the full red list. Um, And that gives you, based on the amount of transparency and whether there are red list ingredients in there, your declaration status. Awesome,
0: yeah. So let's talk about why designers should care about this and how they can start applying it. Like, what impact does this have, and how they can apply it to their sort of like everyday, everyday lives?
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's the huge it's the huge question, right? And and one of the things that I think I like best about working on on this work sort of within within the larger context of ILFI is that. Um, we get to do a lot of thinking about how do we really make these explicit connections between architects and specifiers and manufacturers, right? Because everyone is sort of doing what they're doing in isolation, it's not very useful um, to make sure that we're making tools that are actually connecting and can be sort of read by both. Um, And I think so often um, architects don't realize how much power (laughs) they have. Like these things just literally don't happen if you don't ask for them, right? All of, all of these initiatives around transparency, around red list avoidance, around sustainability, they are driven by demand, right? And so some of that is like, get the program into, obviously it's in Living Building Challenge, into LEED, in WELL, um, but it requires pursuit of those programs and also just generally asking the question. When you ask the question and somebody else asks the question, and somebody else asks the question, then the sustainability person at that manufacturing company God willing to have one, gets to go to their boss and say, this I have done so many requests about this. We need to do something. We need to respond in a certain way. And so ask the question every time, like, do you have a declare label? Do you have transparency? Does your product have red list ingredients in it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that is just, that's how it happens, essentially.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing is designers, you have the power. And even though sometimes it feels like we're all screaming into a void, keep asking because manufacturers are listening. Um, they want to hear that input from you as a designer. I hear that a lot from manufacturers as well as they are hungry for information from designers about what matters to them about how they're picking their products, about how they can respond better to what designers are looking for. And I find that clients are now asking for it as well. This is not just designers. So designers, you have some backup, You can say your clients are asking for it too especially if you want to talk to your clients about it it starts to become something that's just part of the conversation and we can sort of push the industry forward that way
1: yeah and that's been a lot of my um i've done a, a good bit of work with manufacturers and architects that kind of like ties together our product labels and certifications but really thinking about how we connect different groups and absolutely i mean if you ask manufacturers, it's like, well, we know our architects ask for it. And if you ask architects, they're like, well, we need owners to ask for it. And <laughs> it's like, we need suppliers to give us the information. Everyone is a part of that equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yes, absolutely. Like having owner demand for something is so, the, okay. the best way to make that happen. Yeah, um, But it takes architecture firms training their staff and having an understanding of what transparency is and why it matters. Um, mm-hmm why it matters for your clients, how, like, we sort of need to be able to make the case to everyone. Like, why do these things matter? Right. So contractors are somewhat newer to this conversation around material health and transparency. And in many cases, because they're the first people who are actually in a building, yes. it has the greatest impact for those who are actually installing those products. Right. Yeah. We think about like emissions oh, that are coming out for products. Yeah. So we have to like, you have to sort of bring it home to everybody who's a part of this equation.
0: Yeah, so when you guys were developing the um, Declare label, I like, one of the things I appreciated as a designer is that it's very clear in in the presentation of information. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you talk a little bit about how you designed it to like, how do you make this, information which feels kind of like scary science numbers sometimes or like i don't know what these words mean like approachable so the designers feel like it's something that they can actually be a part of was that part of the conversation that you guys had
1: yes and admittedly this happened before i was yeah (laughs) Yeah. but there's constantly in the evolution of a program right you're always trying to figure out like okay we want to add this additional information but how do we how do we do that in a way that's not too complex is it, sometimes simplicity, right, is like better. And yeah. um, so there's, there's always sort of an equation that you have to carry out there. Um, but I think it was a huge piece of it. I think um, the, the idea, right, which like, I, I think originally came from Jason McLennan, who helped to found the organization was, we need to make sustainability Wherever possible, elegant and easy to understand. And yeah. so that was a huge part of the consideration in creating like the graphics of the label, right? Yeah. So, how do we make it, how do we use this concept of a food label or an ingredients list, right? Make that information available. But in addition to that, really make it clear through the red list status what it is that you've actually achieved so that somebody can just like really kind of take a look at it. If you want to dig in, then you can look at the specific ingredients that are in there and on the DECLARE website, there's a bit of additional information as well that actually lists the chemical identifier associated with the ingredient name that lists the percentage of each ingredient that's available, right? And so for some people, that's the first place they're going, but I think it's about like, what are the, you know, and I'm not a a designer or a US (laughs) designer, but really what are the levels of information that one needs to know and then providing opportunities for someone to dig in. And and that, for me, is one of the really critical things about um, transparency is a word that's like used a lot. right? Mm-hmm. And through Declare, we do have a big focus on wherever possible, having the actual chemical identifier be publicly disclosed, which is really hard at one hundred parts yeah. per million for a minimum of ninety nine percent but there are hazard screenings that happen and all of that right hazard scores can change over time but if you have the cast number tricky to disclose sometimes for manufacturers of course publicly but that allows you to dig deeper and understand what's actually going on there and so that's yeah. why we really push for not just the ingredient name and not just sort of is it red list compliant or not but also um, having that kind of backup information there, yeah,
0: because that way, if the science evolves or we learn something new about a product, you the information is already available to you as yes. a designer or as a person. So exactly makes sense. Cool. Um, so, what does the future look like for Declare?
1: Great question. Um, <laughs> big. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> um, no, I think that there. Um, I, I think kind of you know as noted here one of one of the, the huge things that I think we're looking for is just like the, the future of declare and transparency is standard like mm-hmm. getting to a place where every product category has transparency where it is expected um, where a manufacturer and, and I think my my vision for the future as well is that it is standard for an architecture firm to ask for that information before having conversations about products with manufacturers. Right Mm -hmm. now, a lot of manufacturers who are kind of dug into this would agree that they would rather be told no, in some cases for a good reason than yes, for no reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that, you know, I'm really interested over time. Like, how do we really hone in that? Like, what is the what is the information that everyone needs to know? And I think over time that evolves. Right. Um, I think that uh, For example, Declare was purely a self-disclosure program when it was created, right? So there was no third-party verification because that's where the market was. And everyone was like, we need an option that, you know, we just sort of need to be able to tell you what's in there. And over time, as things have evolved, there's been a demand for third-party verification. So we have third-party verified Declare. And I would like to see that grow significantly as manufacturers learn more about what's in their product. Yeah. having that verified having architects um be asking for that information because it is really difficult to figure out what's in your product at that level yeah, that's true yeah
0: it's a challenge especially if you are like the textile industry for example they get their all the pieces of a, a piece of fabric from everywhere yes it's, that's just historically how you make textiles and so it's 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 a rabbit hole like you said for sure <laughs> so. yeah
1: don't un- don't underestimate what went into the declare label yes exactly <laughs> and
0: say thank you to the folks that are yes. that have them yes awesome so we finish every transparency Tuesday with this question how are you the royal you shaping the market and how is it how is it shaping you so what are you learning and adap- sort of adapting or changing and all that good stuff
1: really good questions <laughs> um, I think in terms of, so how are we shaping the market, right? I think as I was sort of alluding to, one of the neat things is that we can help to create the demand as as we help to sort of fill it with these transparency tools. And I think that that's really important that we sort of hold the bar there and say <laughs> that you have to have transparency and start to really raise the bar over time for not only what transparency looks like, right? But optimization, how are we actually improving products? Um, So I would like to see Live and Building Challenge continue to push for that. Um, I think um, in terms of how is it shaping you, I think one of the cool things is that among the sort of transparency and optimization certifications and labels, um, they're out there, there are a number, right? And um, I think that we work really closely with a number of partners like the Health Product Declaration Collaborative. and I think that kind of together, we're sort of figuring out where is the market headed in terms of, like like I said, verification and how we present information more visually yeah. to really support designers more and more in what they're doing. Um, and how are we learning from all of the other red lists and all of the other right like restricted lists that are out there? Um, I think that there's a lot of important work that happens um, in collaboration and yeah. I think as a green building industry, that's, that's how we move forward.
0: I love that. It's like, let's go together.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's the motto.
0: Like Al Gore said on that episode of 30 Rock, Let's go together quickly. Let's go quickly together. Yes. It's very important. So designers, if you are ready to go quickly together, um, you can find a red list sweet product on our website immediately. We have a whole bunch. So definitely check that out. If you are tuning into the podcast, we'll throw a link into the um, episode, uh, description. So you can do that as well. But yeah, we have a whole list of, um, We've got declared red list free products. We've got declared products. So you can sort by those immediately and start talking to your clients about that. If you would like to register for another snack break, you can also do that. So smash that register now button. In the meantime, Alex, this was super great. I'm really excited to learn about how designers can make um, an impact, know that our voices are being heard. We should keep asking and to see what the future holds when we go quickly together
1: yeah thank you so much this was this was a blast um, awesome. and thank hopefully if so anybody much. has additional questions, you know they'll reach out and I'm happy to continue the conversation. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. thanks a lot. Okay.
0: Bye.